three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler as I take my glasses off. Uh, this is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 448. Welcome in. Uh, geez, we're almost at 450, then 500. I mean, we're just banging through episodes like crazy. I've done so many episodes of this podcast. I can't even believe that. Um, I want to give you a warning right now. This is going to be a very, very short episode. Uh, unless I talk about stuff, and I might fill time a lot by talking about just random stuff. You know me. Like, I can talk forever. I just, like, is it going to be about sports? I don't know. And that's, I got a new podcast coming, uh, I think, I, I think next Tuesday. I'm, like, really excited about it. Uh, and I, uh, that's one where I could just ramble about nothing. Cause it's, it's literally about nothing. It's about me just talking. Um, I want to complain about one thing real quick. My cat sheds like crazy and I live in Honolulu, Hawaii. It's six 30 in the morning right now. Um, which means it's already like 1130 in the East coast. And I often, by the time, by the way, when I record and, and upload, I record at night, like around 9 PM, I try to upload around 1 AM in Hawaii time because it's 1 a.m. here is 6 a.m. on the East Coast. And I like getting it out. You know, for me, I try to record on Sunday nights. You know, then it comes out 6 a.m. on Monday morning, right? I love doing that. Uh, and this episode is shorter because I, I got really sick and I was going to record Sunday night for Monday morning about the three wildcard games on Sunday. Then I'm like, oh, I'll do another episode Monday night for Tuesday morning about it would have been what the content of this episode asks Zach a kind of predictions versus reality for wildcard weekend and a recap of the Cardinals Rams game. Couldn't do that. Um, now the reason why I mentioned Hawaii, because I, so I got really sick and I'm rambling now, but I got really sick and I, I had to shuffle some stuff around content wise. So this could be a very short episode. It is currently 68 degrees here at six thirty one in the morning, uh, in Honolulu. And I am freezing cold. Like I, I I'm just a broken human being. I can't – I'm sure at some point – I know at some point I'm going to move back to the mainland for a little while and go on some adventures. And like, I've never been to New Orleans. I want to see the Florida Keys. I want to go back to Cincinnati. I want to travel around the, you know, the, the lower 48 for a while and then hopefully eventually someday buy property like on a volcano on the Big Island. That's my long-term dream, right? The day I go back to the mainland, I am so screwed. I'm going to be the coldest human being possible because 68 is like – I, I used to love that. So like that used to be sweat, you know t-shirt weather for me, t-shirt and shorts. Now I'm like 68, <sighs> and I, and also because I live here and I I think somewhere I have my strong opinion sports, sports like sports no sports strong opinion sports uh, sweatshirts. They're somewhere. I I think they're I I kind of forget sometimes I did just move. Like I I'm very new. Like I literally I moved here with like. Two suitcases and three totes, and then football season started immediately. I haven't really had a break. I moved, and football started, and I haven't really had any time not during football season here. So, like, I still have boxes that are packed up that I haven't unpacked from moving yet because I'm, like, just busy trying to, like, get through and survive. Someday I'll unpack my boxes, I, I hope. Um, but I think in one of the boxes I have packed up, I have my Strong Opinion Support sweatshirts. And I, this is the only sweatshirt I have other than my rain jacket. And my rain jacket I couldn't wear on the show because it would literally make all these weird, you know, crispy, crunchy sounds as you move your arms and stuff. Um, so instead, it's the Ross sweatshirt I got. And uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of like it. It, it. The darkness looks weird on camera, I have no doubt. But I don't I don't really care. Like, I, 
I don't know. I'm I'm comfortable. Like I, I I'm still actually kind of cold. So um, the sweatshirt is very necessary. Let's jump in. What is what the heck are we doing today? <laughs> um, today we're doing Ask Zach. We're talking about Wildcard Weekend, and then we are doing kind of a predictions versus reality. There were six wildcard playoff games this weekend. I want to go through each of them and just kind of talk about was I right? Was I wrong? Um, how did my predictions land? Because I think often it's easy to kind of walk away from your predictions and not revisit them. So I want to do that today. We'll start with Ask Zach, though. So in case you do not know, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. Uh, you give like $5. Say every dollar you help me with on Patreon helps literally helps pay my rent. So uh, thank you very much for doing that to the people on Patreon. Remember, a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is to look at every single question with my eyeballs. Uh, I pick the top couple to read at the end of every show. So today, I guess, and not at the end of every show, today it's the beginning of every show, because I really wanted to, to highlight, I mean, we're doing this episode because of Ask Zach questions. Uh, I also, like I said, I, I reference that I'm starting a new podcast where it's just me talking about life, and I've got all these, I've got like pages and pages of notes. I journal every morning. I'm like, I need to share some of the stuff I'm journaling in my life and my ideas and my thoughts, and so I'm going to record a show soon, hopefully actually like tomorrow, uh, and then I'll put it out next Tuesday. And one of the perks on Patreon, on top of you know submitting for Ask Zach for Strong Opinion Sports, you will also get to write into my other show. And that's a, a dollar a month gives you access to both shows. Uh, I think I'm going to put that other show early on Patreon because it's not as time sensitive. It's not like a news show about sports. So I can just put it out. You know, I can put it, hey, I can record it and put it out two weeks later and publicly. No one's going to know. But the people on Patreon will get it early. They'll get to write into the show, and they'll get to write into the show for Strong Opinion Sports as well. So Patreon, I'm working on expanding more and more, getting you as much value as I possibly can for that dollar a month. Daniel writes in and says, which team making the playoffs impressed you the most? Philly or Pittsburgh? So the Eagles or the Steelers? Um, so I predicted before the year started, I, I had the Steelers going... 10 and 7, which, like, you know, I think they actually got, like, which 10 and 7, now that I'm looking back, um, yeah, uh, 10 and 7, that's 70 games. So, yeah, I was like, I was like, is that possible? Yeah, 10 and 7. So, yeah, I, I had the Steelers going 10 and 7, and I think they went 9 and 8 or 10 and 7, like, almost exactly that. Or maybe they were 9, 8, and 1, it was, or 9, 7, and 1. That sounds right. These new 17-game seasons, like, my whole life we played 16-game seasons and I'm like my brain is calibrated you can go 12 and 4 or 13 and 3 but now we're like going 13 and 4 and 12 and 5 my brain's exploding it's really hard for me to like naturally my brain doesn't gravitate towards a 17 game record what it looks like at the end of the year so I'm still adjusting to that um so I thought the Steelers were going to be a playoff team I had them at 10 and 7 I they did about exactly what I thought they would the Eagles were a shock to me I had the Eagles going 3 and 14 like, I did not expect Philadelphia to make the playoffs at all. They won six more games than I predicted. They made the playoffs. They got a wild card spot. Um, I, they had a new head coach that I wasn't interested in, Nick Sirianni. I thought Nick Sirianni was a bad head coach. He turns out to be awesome. Uh, they really adapted their offense to fit to what Jalen Hurts does well. They ran the ball really heavily. Uh, they were very creative. A lot, of, a lot of little, like, just getting the ball out of Jalen's hands very, very quickly. I loved that. 
And I just – so it, it was a shock to me to see Philly make up, you know, make the playoffs. But also I, I just want to get a round of applause to Nick Sirianni, the head coach in Philadelphia, because I, I thought what he did – like he really maximized the potential of that football team. And that, that's unbelievable to me. A guy who – had such a horrible entrance to the NFL with his opening press conference and, uh, you know, a really bad first impression. And also, it seems like a guy that was hired because the owner wanted to control him. But Nick Sirianni really, really did get the most out of his football team and I thought overachieved, actually, which is pretty rare. And I just, you know... For year one, it's a very, very encouraging, exciting year in year one for, for, uh, for Philly. And I, like I said on the last episode when I talked about them losing to Tampa, they got, I think, some questions at quarterback. I'm not sure whether they're going to commit to Jalen Hurts long-term or not. I, I could see it going either way. But what they have in Philly is some good draft picks, a lot of young talent, and I I feel very excited and kind of hopeful for the future Washington doesn't look like they're going to be great anytime soon. New York's still floundering. The Cowboys are the best team in that division, but Philly's close, and uh, I, I really think it's possible Philly makes a push a lot sooner than we expect in that division. Okay, Nolan writes in with a really interesting question. He says, hey, Zach, win or lose to Green Bay, do you see the 49ers keeping Jimmy G? If not, is there a home for him on another team in the NFL as a starter? So I don't think San Francisco is going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo next year because he is $27 million if you're going to keep him. Like, I don't, I'm not paying Jimmy G $27 million to me, not my franchise quarterback. I, I'm going to just transition to Trey Lance, build around Trey Lance, and you know, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me to have a limited quarterback and pay him $27 million. Now, Jimmy G does have value, though, as a quarterback. And we've seen in this playoff push the 49ers have made – Winning a playoff game in Dallas, uh, the way Jimmy G played, despite some turnovers, like he played very well week 18 against the Rams to clinch a playoff spot. Jimmy G, I think, earned himself a starting job somewhere else. Now, he's not going to be a long-term quarterback anywhere, in my opinion, unless he like blows it out of the water and kills it and is very impressive. But he didn't do that in San Francisco, which is an ideal situation if you're going to go to Washington or Denver. or I mean, Denver's a good spot, but... Like, I don't see Jimmy G being like, oh, you're a franchise quarterback. Let's give you another long-term contract. He's not going to get another one. But what Jimmy Garoppolo is perfect for is going to, let's say Pittsburgh drafts Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback. He's a rookie. They're like, look, we need somebody to be our starting quarterback day one to help us win games now so that whenever we're ready to eventually transition to Kenny Pickett, we're not awful. We need someone to bridge the gap. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a perfect duck. Duck, duck tape, can't even talk, a duct tape quarterback, which means that, you know, if you're fixing your engine, sometimes you can find a way to use duct tape, like to, you know, fix a pipe or something. It's not a long-term fix, but it'll do the job and get you home, right? Jimmy G is a duct tape quarterback where if you draft a rookie quarterback, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, and you're in Denver, Washington, Pittsburgh, something like that, Jimmy Garoppolo would be a perfect mentor-type quarterback who has a lot of starting experience, has won a lot of games, been to a Super Bowl, could start for a while and then transition to a backup while your rookie quarterback becomes a starter. And I think he could still be a positive presence and help mentor and, and be good for your locker room and good for your football team as a potential backup quarterback. So 
Look, I think Jimmy G is that guy who's kind of right on the edge of one of the better backups in the NFL or one of the lower end starters in the NFL, which means he's going to always have a job because he's better than like half the starting, you know, half the backup. He's better than half the quarterbacks in the NFL, which means he's better than almost every backup in the NFL. So he'll work as long as he wants to, in my opinion. Uh, and he does bring value because he can win a little bit, especially if you're a, a team that is a rookie quarterback. So that's that's what I see happening to Jimmy Garoppolo as he goes somewhere. I think Pittsburgh's a great spot. He should go to Pittsburgh. He should be their starting quarterback for like, you know, four to ten weeks and then allow whatever rookie quarterback they draft to develop into the starter they need him to be. And then, again, with a rookie quarterback, you don't want to hurry and rush the guy onto the field. I think we, especially this quarterback class, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, these are guys that I think are going to need time that, you know, um, I thought Zach w- Wilson, the quarterback with the Jets, was going to be much better early on because he had a lot of physical traits and a physical skill set I think would allow him to hang around a little bit because he can run and do stuff, and he hasn't been. He, it's surprising to me. Now, none of these quarterbacks, I think they're even more raw than a guy like Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence was. So uh, I don't think any of the guys in the, the draft are going to be day one starters, in my opinion, this year. And I feel much better if they had a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo ahead of them to kind of be act as a buffer while they develop. Okay, a great name, great name here. Uh, <laughs> Our Lord Tom Cruise writes in and says, "Hey Zach, please tell us what you think about Mike McCarthy. I feel like he's a good coach and leader, but also he may be a progress stopper for an organization. Should Dallas move on from him?" Yes. So, I mean, I, I had to think about it for a second, but um, I think about Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona and I think about Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Are they fine? Yeah, they're, they're, you make the playoffs. You're clearly not like a terrible football coach. But could you have better? Would your team go farther in the playoffs with a better coach? Better than Cliff Kingsbury, better than Mike McCarthy? Absolutely. The problem is Mike McCarthy is going to stick around in Dallas for a long time. He ain't going anywhere because the owner in Dallas, Jerry Jones, is, is pretty self-centered, and he doesn't want to have a truly great coach. Like, he would never hire Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick wants total control and, and doesn't want to be told what to do, and, you know, Bill Belichick is not going to listen to Jerry Jones. Mike McCarthy will listen to Jerry Jones and kind of gives him what he wants, and it's just, it's unfortunate. Um, I think what's going to happen next year is Dallas is going to have the exact same outcome next year as they had this year, which, and they'll probably win like two more games next year because their schedule is pretty easy. But unfortunately, they're going to come to the playoffs and uh, play against really good, well-coached football teams, and they're going to be a, a less well-coached football team compared to their opponent, and they will lose. And that's, mark my words, when that happens, come back to a hey, sweatshirt episode you know, January, whatever, from 2022, next, this time next year when the Cowboys get a first-round exit in the wild-card round, come find me, come talk to me and go, yeah, you are right. I remember the sweatshirt episode. I remember you saying that, and it just happened. So I'm telling you that's exactly what's going to happen next year to the Cowboys. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a one-and-done football team again because their coaching isn't good. If they're not well-coached, they're not well-disciplined, and – uh they're not, they don't do details very well, and that's going to cost them as long as Jerry Jones refuses to get a 
stronger-minded coach who won't just do whatever he's told to do. Okay, Randy writes in, interesting question. I only really have one answer here. He says, other than Eric Bieniemy, which coordinator or coordinators do you feel should be a head coach right now? There's, there's definitely more than what I'm about to say, but the coordinator that comes to mind most obviously to me is Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator. This is a guy who he coached under Nick Saban. He coached Tua in college. He developed Josh Allen into the franchise elite amazing quarterback he is today and if I'm an NFL team that has any kind of desire to have a successful offense and do well at quarterback I'm hiring Brian Dable like that I'm like yep I want that guy he's going to mentor I don't care what your quarterback situation is whether it's Tua in Miami whether it's Kirk Cousins whether it's I don't even I'm trying to think of who else you know I'm trying to think who else Houston with you know, Davis Mills, maybe Deshaun Watson. I don't know. But if you, the Giants, with whatever quarterback they have, like, if you want to have a successful quarterback and you want to have a good offense, which I think every team does, hire Brian Dable because he's proven that he can achieve that in the NFL. He did it with Josh Allen, and he developed Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen today, compared to where he was when he came into the NFL, completely different quarterback. Now, part of that's Josh Allen's work ethic. Josh Allen clearly works his tail off. But it really helps to have good coaching, and he clearly has that as well. So I would hire Brian Dables, the, the coordinator that immediately comes to mind. That I'm like, yeah, that guy should have a, have a head coaching job in the NFL. Okay, ENK writes in and says, hey, Zach, I have some thoughts on your take on Ben Roethlisberger. Remember, I, I, so let, me, let me explain what I said. I, I tried to – I think I was a little bit harsher than I meant to be, but I basically said, like, I'm not going to miss Big Ben. Big Ben, I respect what he did. It was good for what it was, but I, you know, I'm ready to move on. I'm not going to miss him, and I'm, I'm excited for the next era in Pittsburgh. So that's some context for what ENK is talking about. Let me continue his question. He says, I agree with your take. However, I do think it's unfair to compare him to Tom Brady. Nobody's quite like Tom Brady, and I don't think anyone ever will be. However, I think a fair comparison would be Drew Brees. Aside from clearly being a hard worker, Brees was also a model citizen, and when he retired— Many fans, not just Saints fans, felt very sad and looked at the great career he had. Sorry for the lengthy question. Um, yeah, you know, that's – I think that was the spirit of what I was trying to say is that I always looked up to Drew Brees. Like, Drew Brees motivated me. He inspired me. Like, who he was, the way he carried himself. Nothing about Big Ben ever inspired me. He didn't have the best preparation. He didn't have the best physique. He just, like, he was kind of an average leader. I always thought he was never great at connecting to the young guys in the locker room, especially as the years went on. Um, Steelers fans get very mad and feel need to defend Ben's honor. I'm not attacking Ben, but I'll tell you what. Like, as a a former quarterback myself, a guy who I would always be looking for examples of, like, oh, who's, what parts of someone's game can I take away and, you know, copy and use in my own life and in my own game? And especially, like, especially off the field. I do a whole series about Tom Brady's Man in the Arena documentary series talking about kind of the life lessons Tom Brady talks about in the series because football aside, all the lessons I learned as a quarterback, I apply in my everyday life, how I handle relationships, how I handle my job and my work ethic, everything. You can be a quarterback in so many more aspects than just on the football field. Like you're a quarterback, whether you're broadcasting, whether you're in an office setting, whether you're working at a car wash, a movie theater, I don't care where you are. Be the quarterback in your life, wherever you are. Use the same habits and skill sets. And 
I learned a lot of lessons watching Drew Brees, watching Tom Brady, watching Peyton Manning about not just playing quarterback, but about life and about work ethic and about how you treat people and how you handle relationships. And I never got any valuable life lessons from watching Big Ben. I really only got negative stories about how he treats women and how he's not very well prepared and doesn't get good care of his body. So um, that that's me clarifying what I meant when I said I'm not going to miss Big Ben. It's that there was nothing beyond two Super Bowl wins, that incredible throw to Santonio Holmes, and a lot of like statistical numbers to be impressed with. Like On the field, great quarterback, but off the field and who he was as a person, I was never inspired by. Uh, and that's really the spirit of what I meant. And if I... Um, I don't know that I did a good job, enough job explaining that distinction, and so I hope I did a better job there. Nathan writes in and says, what makes a quarterback or any player a Hall of Famer to you? Do you consider Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, and Eli Manning all Hall of Famers? What quarterbacks in the league do you think can become Hall of Famers in the future? I feel like there are a ton of young quarterbacks who can become Hall of Famers, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, Allen, etc. Um... Let's start with that's a there's a lot there. Eli Manning, Big Ben, and Philip Rivers to me are all three Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and I almost don't even care about like the what's the qualification. Like I I don't know. It's whatever makes me feel like they're Hall of Famers, and to me, it would feel almost simply out of respect, right, to include them because of what they did on the field, what they did off the field, and then I look at well if. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, these guys that I think are potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks, if they have anywhere near the level of success that Phillip Rivers had, that Big Ben had, that Elon Manning had, then to me they're a Hall of Fame quarterback too. So if that's the you – know, does that make – I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's the benchmark to me. Is like I, if I want treatment in the future for the guys I, I'm watching now, I'm going to have to honor and respect the past and what they did. And, and, and Big Ben, undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. Elon Manning, undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers is a little more controversial. Um, yeah, there's a couple of guys like Philip Rivers, Donovan McNabb, Carson Palmer. Never won a Super Bowl. Always really good. To me, Philip Rivers was the best of, of the guys I just listed. Philip Rivers was a legend and, and really, really I, – I always love the videos of Philip Rivers like talking trash on the sideline. Golly, like wait. Oh, my gosh. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, I don't know. I would feel like it's a shame if Philip Rivers got left out of the Hall of Fame. Um, now, who in the NFL right now could be a Hall of Famer in the future? Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. I mean, there are so many. Um, probably not Kyler Murray. Probably not Dak Prescott, although he's going to be beloved when he retires. Um, Dak's kind of around where Carson Palmer and Donovan McNabb are going to lie. They're going to be like, oh, he's close. Like, we respect what you did, but you're not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, you know, the easy one, Tom Brady, obviously, that, that's kind of a joke. Um, God, there's got to be more, but I'm, I'm not I'm not thinking very clearly right now. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but that's not a controversial one. Who, how about the young quarterbacks? I think, who are the rookies this year? Oh, man, who's the guy that – yeah, I don't know. I don't, the rookies, it's too early to tell. I I, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, like, I, I, they're too young and raw. Like, I don't know how – I don't even know if any of them are going to be good franchise quarterbacks yet. So we'll see about the rookies. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really – I want Justin Fields to be really good. I, I don't know if he is going to be. I, I want him to be good. I'm really rooting for Justin Fields in Chicago with the Bears. 
Okay, Matt's card shop writes in and says, I'm going to drink some water real quick first. Hi, Zach. Sorry, Matt's card shop writes in and says, Hi, Zach. You've been critical previously of announcers and their call on the game, and I was just wondering what your favorite call of a moment is and what moment was so spectacular that may not have been called too well that you'd like to see redone. I haven't been following the sport too long, but my favorite is Joe Buck finally showing emotion on the Stefan Diggs Minneapolis miracle. I don't, like, I, I maybe, I, I think I misread that question a little bit in preparation for this episode. Um, I can't think of any moments that I'm like, ah, that's a bad call. I don't, when bad stuff happens, whether it's something I don't like or I, I try to hang on to it. I try to, like, forget. If there was, like, a moment watching where I was like, oh, you know, that, that call sucked. That was a bad call by Joe Buck. He should have shown more emotion there or whatever. I, I don't I don't hang on to that stuff. I try to let it – I probably write it down on my notes, and I might talk about it for, like, a day or something. But after, like, a day goes by, I don't remember that. I, I try to forget it, and I, I focus on the good stuff like Stokely. Down the sideline! Gus Johnson, that's amazing. My, my favorite, though, and the one I wanted to highlight here, it's actually a baseball call. Uh, Dave Niehaus was the Mariners broadcaster, and uh, his grand slam call was chef's kiss amazing. I, I think it's an all-time. I grew up a Mariners fan until I, I disavowed the, the, the baseball team and said, I'm not going to support what you're doing anymore. However, um, Dave Niehaus is like, I don't know if he's well-known nationally or not. If he's not, he should be. Like, he he was truly a national treasure. And I'm not a homer. I don't – just because I grew up with something and it's, like, part of my childhood doesn't mean I think it's the best thing ever. I'm, I try to be very, very realistic. But Dave Niehaus was probably the best thing the Mariners have actually done, like, in, in the history of their franchise. He was an amazing broadcaster, and he had this call – Get your rye, bread, and mustard, folks, because that's a grand salami. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Get your rye, bread, and mustard, folks. This is a grand salami. Anytime someone hit a grand slam, oh, my gosh, beautiful call. I love that. Um, that's one of my favorite, like, so many moments. I remember, like, I think Felix Hernandez, one of their pitchers once, hit a hit a grand slam, and that call just rang so well. It's like, oh, yes! Or when uh, Richie Sexton hit a grand slam, to, like a walk-off grand slam, dead center. And you hear that call, get your rye, bread, and mustard, folks. This one's a grand salami at a walk-off home run. And you're like, yes! Oh, I, oh man. Like I, Dave Niehaus, man, a baseball legend. I don't know if he's still alive. I, don't, I have nothing. I have no idea what's going on with him. I, he retired, and I don't know if he's still alive. If he's if he's not alive, may he rest in peace. If he is alive, dude, I, my favorite broadcaster in baseball, and maybe my favorite. He made baseball so much more fun to listen to. Baseball, it's so key. You're you're sitting there. You're just. It's kind of like live streaming. Honestly, like a video game, you're trying to entertain people. It, you got to be more than just talking about the game itself. You got to be a little bit of personality. Dave Niehaus was that perfect mix of professional, but also some personality, fun. It was like hanging out with your grandpa watching baseball. And uh, oh man, I just got a flood of emotion. Like I, I had such a good time listening to him. And I, and I really think that I would stack him up against anybody. And I'm not just saying that because it was my childhood. Like there was plenty of stuff from my childhood that I liked that was garbage. Uh, Dave Niehaus is not one of those things. Dave Niehaus is a national treasure and uh, truly, like, I hope he's on, like, the 
Hall of Fame of Broadcasting or something because he, he deserves it. He was like truly just really, really good at what he did. All right. Uh, I've talked for like 20-something minutes. Pretty good. Better than I was hoping for already. I do have one more topic to end the show today. It's an opportunity to kind of um, share a little bit more about the wildcard games that happened this weekend and flesh out some stuff. You know, I, like, I don't think I did a good enough job talking about the 49ers, so we'll talk about that here. Uh, on This weekend, we had wildcard weekend, and I did some predictions. I don't normally do predictions. I hate doing predictions during the regular season because... Like, nothing's consistent. You don't know who's going to play. The Rona's is happening. People are going in and out of the lineup. But in the playoffs, we're like, oh, I take this a little more seriously. It's more fun to follow. It's more fun to predict. There's fewer games to predict and keep track of. Uh, and I went, in my opinion, I went three and three this weekend. I got three right and three wrong. On Saturday, the Bengals played the Raiders. Uh, I got this game right. I had the Bengals winning. I had Jamar Chase having a great game. Joe Burrow doing very well. Joe Burrow, by the way, has been like ethereal recently. Joe Burrow is unbelievable recently. And uh, I don't have much more to add to that, honestly. I just I, I think Joe Burrow had a great game, exactly like I thought he would. And uh, that was a pretty obvious one, the Bengals won. Now, the Raiders made it a game. The Raiders lost. It was 26 to 19. Like, the Raiders hung around a lot more than I thought they would. Um, but in the end, you know, Joe Burrow gave this great quote, I think like today or yesterday where he said, you know, I, I want, you know, everyone was excited and really celebrating in Cincinnati. And I try to be more nonchalant and casual about it because I want this to be the norm every year. Like I don't, I want this to be the expectation that we win a playoff game every year. Like I don't want it to be like, Oh my gosh. Wow. He doesn't want to freak out because he wants it to be a casual, normal thing they do. And I, I like that approach. Now, the Bills beat the Patriots 47-17 to on Saturday, game number two of the wildcard round. This is a massive L for me. I got this game very, very wrong. Uh, I thought that not only did I think the Patriots would win, I thought it would be a close and interesting game. It simply wasn't close. It wasn't interesting. It was a boring game. It was hard to watch. Uh, Buffalo put a beat down on the Patriots. And, and, by the way, you know, the thing I didn't say when I covered this game for the first time Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, had this – I mean, I, I think I said he had an amazing performance, but he had an amazing performance against Bill Belichick and the Patriots' defense, which is so rare to do, to just thoroughly dominate a team like the Patriots. I, I haven't seen the Patriots' defense get dominated like that maybe ever. I mean, seriously, it was unbelievable what happened in Buffalo, and uh, I think it was funny because going into the game, I remember thinking that – you know, Josh Allen's going to have a hard time throwing. And I think part of that was because I remember watching that game where the wind was 50 miles an hour and he couldn't throw very well then. But it's like, wait, wait, it was cold, but not windy. And Josh Allen went to college in Wyoming. Like, he can handle the cold. He's also massive and has a huge hand and can handle – Just he's, he's fine in the cold pretty clearly. And um, I was very wrong about that game. Josh Allen was amazing, and uh, the cold didn't affect him even a little bit. Like, he just looked fine. And not just fine, like amazing. It was a, it was an elite performance from Josh Allen. And uh, if you have more performances like that, you're going to go from really good young quarterback to elite almost immediately. Like what he's doing and the frequency at which Josh Allen's putting out really, really incredible football games. And, and the consistency of it is what I'm blown away by. Because Aaron Rodgers is consistently amazing. Josh Allen has been amazing often. But he's more and more consistently becoming amazing and, and, and pushing his name into a Patrick Mahomes level, a Aaron Rodgers level, where you're like, it's just what he's doing week to week is unbelievable. So um, 
Yeah, I got the Bills-Patriots game very, very wrong. How about Tampa? Tampa dominated Philly 31-15. to They were up 31-0 to start the fourth quarter. I got this game 2-A-T. I nailed it. Batting 1,000. Huge win for me. Um, it, was, it was a mismatch. Like I, I, it, I knew that going into the game because Philly runs the ball very heavily, but they're not like great at running because they're great at running. They, they run the ball well, but Philly's a good running football team because they commit to the running game. Do you understand the difference? It's one thing to like be truly elite at something. It's another thing to be elite at it because, or like, it's one thing to be elite at something. Like if they were truly an amazing running team, that would be one thing. But the reason why Philly was great at running was because they just decided to be good at it. They committed to it. They ran the ball a lot. They didn't throw the ball very much. And it kind of felt like they thought they were limited at quarterback, actually, with Jalen Hurts. So the minute I saw Philly going up against Tampa, which Tampa's defense is not just good because they commit to stopping the run. Like, they got Vita Vea. They are truly just amazing at stopping the run. And the way they fly to the football is unbelievable. Go watch that game. Go watch Philly against Tampa. If you're ever bored and want to watch good defense, like, <laughs> they dominated on defense, Tampa did. The way they're, they're flying to the football. I mean, just, like, the aggression, the reads the linebackers were making. It was unbelievable. And uh, I, I don't I, – I honestly, I'm a, I'm a quarterback at heart. I played quarterback in college. I, I love to watch high-level quarterback play. It's very rare that I get excited about watching defense. I really don't. When I watch a defense do well, I'm like, come on, like I, I want to see better quarterback play. But Tampa was thoroughly entertaining to watch on defense. Like they were just, it was so high level and so just top notch. And uh, gosh, man, I saw it coming, so I got it right. But I, um, I still really appreciated what I got to see on Sunday. The 49ers beat Dallas 23 to 17. Game was controversial. I covered it pretty heavily. I think, actually, you know, I was pretty hesitant to say my opinion, which is that I don't have any sympathy for the way the Cowboys lost, trying to get it, you know, trying to spike it before time expired. Time did expire. They didn't get to spike it in time. Um, I think most people actually agree with me, which is kind of cool. I, it's very rare that I put out an opinion where I feel like I'm going to get, like a big, big Ben opinion where I, I'm like, I'm not that excited about Big Ben. I'm not going to miss him. I felt for sure I was going to get similar hatred from the Big Ben thing with the way I covered Dallas. Because Dallas fans are very angry, and they love to just oh, – they, they're very uh, very emotional people. And uh, I actually, they were pretty level-headed. Almost every Cowboys fan was like, yeah, our team blew it. We were bad, and our coach sucks. And I was like, wow, our, we agree on – hey, me, the Cowboys fan, agree? Amazing. No, I got the game totally wrong because I actually picked Dallas to win. I thought Dallas was a better team with a better quarterback. They were the worst team with a worst quarterback on Sunday. I don't know. I'm never betting on the Cowboys again. And and I'm not, why did I bet against the 49ers? That's the thing. I saw people hating on Kyle Shanahan, saying Kyle Shanahan can get fired. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's no better than Matt Nagy. Uh, Matt Nagy is out. Hasn't won a playoff game in a long time. Tell me, there's a reason why Kyle Shanahan still has a job. He didn't have a quarterback for a long time, but he's winning playoff games and doing very well. And, Oh my gosh, the 49ers, man. Like, if the 49ers can get Trey Lance to play really well next year, get a, a good player or two. I mean, they're so close to being back to a Super Bowl level team again. People forget they, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Like, the 49ers are a very, very good football team. And uh, I don't know, man. I, it, it, 
You know, I started my channel early on when I had like a thousand subscribers. One of my first videos was talking about the 49ers that blew up. And like for a while there, early on, like when I had like 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, like I'm swear to you, like 2,500 of them were all 49ers fans from San Francisco. And uh, I never forgot that. You know, that, that community was so kind to me early on in my career. They helped me get going. And uh, I, I will always have a tender place in my heart for the 49ers because of that. And, uh, oh, man, you know, I, I didn't expect them to win, but I felt a lot of joy when the 49ers did win on Sunday because, oh, man, I just I, I see a lot of potential there. I like John Lynch. I like Kyle Shanahan. I really want Trey Lance to be a franchise quarterback there. I think he, he will be. He's got to develop and needs time. But, uh, you know, also kind of weird thought about this 49ers-Cowboys game. Um, Osaru Odigazua. Was he's a defensive tackle for the Cowboys? I played high school football with him. He was younger than me. Samson Ibukam, who plays you know linebacker slash edge rusher for the 49ers, played with me at the same high school. It was older than me, and uh, it was cool to see. I, I transferred out of David Douglas High School. I actually had a bad experience with that coach there, but man, uh, so to see Osa and Samson play each other in an NFL playoff game. <laughs> what the heck, man? I played with those guys in high school. Like, that's crazy to me. I don't even – I, I'd, uh, good for that, man. It's really cool to see that. And uh, they're both really great dudes with good families that, you know, they got awesome moms. They take care of their moms. And I – ah, it's compelling. I really I really just am so happy to see them in the NFL making money, doing well. And, uh, oh, man, there's nothing like watching people you know do well. I, I never understand why people – have a desire to like tear people down. I, I just don't get it. I when I I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. When I see people like doing awesome stuff in life, I get excited. I'm like, oh hell yeah. I don't I think people get jealous maybe. I don't get jealous. I get excited. Because I I want to be successful too. And I don't know especially like another weird thing is like on YouTube, you know Brett Coleman, Tom Grassi, Brandon Perna, five points vids, um urinating tree like there's enough people for all of us to do well i don't know why like youtubers and none of those guys do those guys have all been if anything inc overly gracious to me like i love all of them but I, I occasionally see like a really small youtuber who's kind of standoffish and it's like dude there's no reason to like we all can help each other like everyone can win here there's no there's enough people and enough slices of pie for us all to get enough pie and do well and I don't know. I, I love seeing other people do well, especially when you know them and care about them. And uh, Oh, man. Anyway, um, Kansas City dominated Pittsburgh. It's a big win for me. Got this one right. It was ugly. They went 42 to 21. They had, you know, six touchdowns in a row. It's like bang, 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 touchdown, 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 touchdown. Um, it went from like, you know, Steelers were up 7 to nothing briefly. And then, um, well, actually, it was 0-0 zero, zero for a long time. Then they Then it was 7 nothing. And then Kansas City went on a run, and uh, it was, like, literally, it was crazy to watch this game because, and I already said this when I covered the game before, but when I was watching this football game, it was like, I, I, dude, I swear to you, I, I went to get, like, water, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, another touchdown. And then I go pee, and I come back, and it's another touchdown. And you're like, it's just, it was, like, so quick what happened. And you, you kind of blink, and suddenly they're up 42 to 14, and you're like, well, all right then. I guess uh, I guess the 49 or I guess the Kansas City is going to win this game like by a lot pretty easily. And I predicted that, but 
Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Now, here's a game I got dead wrong. Just ah, dead. Monday Night Football, the Rams embarrassed Arizona 34-11. to Oh, man. I, I, I don't know if it was wishful thinking. I don't know what happened here. I, I, I really thought that – like, mind you, so the Rams beat Arizona once this year, and it was close. And Arizona early in the year dominated L.A. So I'm like, oh, okay, Arizona, if anything, is a better football team. And, you know, not having DeAndre Hopkins really hurt him, but this football team, Arizona, was so disorganized. They made so many mistakes. Kyler Murray played awful. Kyler Murray is really talented. I'm getting worried about Kyler Murray. Is Kyler Murray, he looks scared. And I remember watching him when he played, you know, on the road against Dallas a couple weeks ago. He did not look that same way. A lot of people are saying, like, oh, Kyler's terrible and national televised moments. That's not true. Like, he's played a lot of games, whether it's college, NFL, professional, high school. Every, he's played on in, in a big spotlight plenty of times. But for some reason, that's really the first time I've – and I've watched Kyler Murray almost every game he's played, you know, in the last, like, you know, four years. I mean, I watched him a ton in college at Oklahoma. I watched – I guess I even watched him at Texas A&M in college. But I watched him a lot – you know, almost every game last year, almost every game this year. That's the first time I've ever seen Kyler Murray kind of wilt and look scared and look like he wants to go home. Kyler did not look interested in that game. And that's your franchise quarterback? Like, that's a big concern to me. And I, I'm not – let me apologize to Kyler Murray right now. There's no way Kyler Murray wasn't interested, wasn't excited. But, like – his the look on his face was not good, and I don't know what to I, I don't know what to even like say about that. It was just, that's not a good exciting look. It's like it's actually really bad and concerning, and uh, I don't know. I just I got this game very wrong because I I really thought that it was going to be close and interesting till the end. And I thought there was going to be some key moment whether Kyler threw an interception or Matthew Stafford had an interception. There was like a false start on the the Cardinals. Like I thought something bad was going to happen at the end. We didn't even get an opportunity for that because. Arizona was like literally up twenty-eight nothing to start the third quarter. Like it just it was awful. I mean, not even a close football game at all. Arizona scored eleven points, a field goal, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. That's it. It's it's disappointing, really. I mean, I, Arizona's capable of a lot more. I don't know the Cliff Kingsbury as a coach for them, but all in all, I got. Three games right. I got the Bengals Raiders game right. I got Tampa Philly right. I got KC Pittsburgh right. Um, big miss in the Bills. Big miss in the Rams. They dominated. And then 49ers beat Dallas. I, I really thought the Cowboys are going to win that football game. <laughs> oh, the Cowboys. They're, it's the same story every time, right? They're, they're really hyped up. They're so good. Oh my gosh. And then wow, wow, wow. And like next year, I ain't betting on the Cowboys. Are you kidding me? Dude, I had, a, I predicted the Cowboys to be terrible this year. They were actually good. And I, I kind of, I bought it. I'm like, all right, fine, fine. I'll get with it. I'll commit. I'll, I'll believe in the Cowboys. Not rewarded at all for that. So I don't know. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I've, I've rambled now for like 40 minutes and I, you're welcome. I found a way to talk about sports for 40 minutes. A uh, little bit of cat hair, I guess. A little bit of sweatshirt talk. I don't know. But I, I've had a way to fill time. I love you guys. I really appreciate you. Um, the next episode will be about episode 10 of Man in the Arena. I haven't watched it yet. It's Wednesday at 
7, 12 in the morning. I know that the episode's out. I'm going to go to sleep. I haven't slept yet from last night. So you know, I put out the episode uh, for 47, stayed up all night preparing content. I took like an, a 30-minute nap, I guess, on the floor under my desk. And then um, I prepared this episode. Here we are recording this one. I'm going to go to bed after this comes out. So when you're listening to it, no, I'll be like, boop, dead asleep. And uh, when I wake up, I'm going to watch Man in the Rain episode 10, which should be the best one of the series. It's about Tom Brady going to Tampa, winning a Super Bowl there. I cannot wait. And the next episode, episode 449, wow, so many episodes, will be all about Man in the Arena episode 10 and Tom Brady's grand move to Tampa. Love you. Appreciate you. Have a great day. But um, bum bam, we are done.